Gentlemen, bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Amour. First, how are we doing? We have so much to tackle here in this opening segment. I hope you are doing fine, but I want us to barrel forward, okay? We're all barrels in the river, and we're all barreling forward. Out of our way, pink salmon on the way to your reproductive grounds. We're barreling forward. Okay, (laughs) enough of that. I have a correction and an addendum to start us off. Here is the correction. I should have cited Ula's song from the producers as When You Got It, Flaunt It. I believe I cited the name of the song as If You've Got It, Flaunt It. That was incorrect. That has now been corrected. And here is my addendum. I totally forgot to mention the animated bubbles from Tim Curry's Guinness ad last week. Oh, there were thousands upon thousands of animated bubbles in that Guinness ad. So if you have yet to watch it, do yourself a favor, check it out. It is ludicrous. I also have a few observations regarding Mickey Grant's book for Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, a copy of which arrived at my local CPL Chicago Public Library branch last week. And now I have a full report, okay? The book contains very little dialogue, I found, and a prayer meeting leading into the song Fighting for Pharaoh proves to be the only major scene. Several numbers not found on the album are included here. Going to town this morning, When I Feel Like Moving, Children's Rhymes, Help, So Long Sammy, History of Dance, Billy Holiday Blues, Ghetto Life, Show Me That Special Gene, My Love's So Good, Universe in Morning, and a company bow reprise of Good Vibrations. The show's title number includes six verses, six, you will not hear on the album. Here is one that I transcribed, quote, My boss lady was smiling when she said, Now listen, LMA, you're not giving me a full day's work. Why, you took two coffee breaks today. I smiled back, That's right, sugar, it helps me cope. And I also did four laundry loads and ironed it too. Ran the vacuum, washed the blinds, top jobbed the floor and cooked a stew. Then took Junior to the playground, but I don't blame you a bit. And tomorrow I'll do better because today I quit. Go find yourself another workhorse, cause I can't cope. Quote. Plasm is indeed the variation on plasma that is used in the show, and if I had dedicated a few more seconds, one, two, three, to my research, I would have found the term plasm on the Merriam-Webster site. Try a little harder next time, Jonathan, is the lesson I take from that. The character name I couldn't make out during the song Time Brings About a Change, that character name is Bayula. Originally played by white actor Marlon Hurt, Bayula Brown was featured on several radio programs throughout the 30s and 40s, including Hometown Incorporated, Showboat, Fibber McGee and Molly, and finally the Merlin, the Marlin, I should say, the Marlon Hurt and Bayula show. A second white actor, Bob Corley, stepped into the role after Hurt died of a heart attack, the Marlon Hurt and Bayula show subsequently became known as the Bayula show. Hattie McDaniel took over the part in 1947, becoming the first black woman in history to serve as the star of a network radio program. An important side note, McDaniel was also the first black woman to win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress in 1937 for her performance as Man 
Miami in Gone with the Wind. 53 years later, Whoopi Goldberg became the second black woman to win an Oscar for acting with her performance in Ghost. I believe that says everything we need to know about an awards body like the Academy Awards, and I'm not putting the Tony Awards on some sort of magical pedestal. We all know that the Tony Awards are fucked up as well. I remember, I remind myself again and again, week after week, that really the structure of this show is really just a structure. It's not some homage to the Tony Awards as some mystical, amazing body. Don't even get me started. What a mess. Goodness gracious. Okay, so Lillian and Amanda Randolph also portrayed Bayula on the radio before the character transitioned to television. The Bayula sitcom ran for three seasons on ABC in the 1950s and featured three women in the title role. Ethel Waters, Hattie McDaniel, reprising her radio performance, and Louise Beavers. But who is Bayula? She was the, quote, queen of the kitchen, quote, a housekeeper who routinely solved the problems of her white employers. The NAACP, which had initially praised the hiring of Hattie McDaniel, condemned the TV show for furthering Aunt Jemima slash Mammy stereotypes. Finally, I would like to read from director Vanette Carroll's original production notes. These are at the back of the script. I found these. I found these to be quite interesting, and so I'm going to read them to you now. Quote, Extreme care must be taken to ensure that this is a, quote, him to us, quote. Black dignity and pride must be stressed so that, quote, tongue-in-cheek, quote, sequences read the way they were written rather than minstrel turns. When we say, quote, you think we got rhythm, we got a lot, quote, we do a tap or a dance traditionally credited to black people, but it must be done with joy and respect. The dancer must then do a solo that shows his universal artistry, the artist who has conquered the technique and skill that enables him to compete in the multiracial world. Because we are dealing with so many universal truths, the director should not be trapped into thinking that the piece is simpler than it in fact is. It must be philosophical without being ponderous. It must never be patronizing. It must illuminate the white audience and bring pride and honor and identification to the blacks. Because the lyrics forward the piece, they must be clearly sung. There is music in the poetry, so it must be rendered with all that sense of rhythm of which we are so proud. Above all, it must be done with taste, affection, and the realization that two black women wanted young black artists to have material on which to sharpen their instruments and watch as their grandparents sit in the audience and say amen. Quote, so there you go. Those are the production notes from the director of Don't Bother Me, I Can't Cope, and that's all I got for you from that script. Let's move into the show facts regarding this week's subject, Amour. Amour was a 2003 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. The show opened on October 20th, 2002 at the Music Box Theater and ran for 17 performances. The show is an English translation of the 1997 French musical Le Passe Mural, which premiered in Paris and won the Prix Molière Award for Best musical. The book. Okay, so we have a French libretto by Didier Van, and I'm going to have a real hard time with this last name, Didier. I apologize, so let's try this. Okay, Didier Van Colwart. Colwart. I'm just going to go with that. I know that's a horrible mangling of the proper pronunciation, I'm sure, but I have to move forward. I apologize. And the English translation of that French libretto was overseen by Jeremy Sams. Now, the show, the book, is based on the 1941 short story La Passe Murale by Marcel Ami. The story is so popular in France that a statue of its lead character, Du Soleil, was erected in the Montmartre Quarter of Paris. I am just... I'm out of field day with all of these French terms. I am a disaster this week. Beyond his novels and short stories, Ami also wrote 16 plays and 10 screenplays. Not too shabby, Mr. Ami. Previous adaptations of this original story include Mr. Peekaboo, a 1951 French film, The Man Who Walked Through the Wall, a 1959 German film. There were also two French television films in 1977 and 2016, and there was also a 2007 French animated short. So there you go. The music of Amour was written by Michel Legrand. Michel Legrand is a renowned French composer with over 200 film and television scores to his name, including The Umbrellas 
episodes of Cherbourg, which we covered on M3, the movie Musical Man, but also the Thomas Crown Affair, the original film. Not the Pierce Brosnan remake, hello. Ice Station Zebra is also on Michelle's resume. F4 Fake and Yentl. Legrand's only other stage credit is the 2008 musical Marguerite, which he wrote alongside Alain Boublil, Claude-Michel Schoenberg, our good friends, Jonathan Kent, and Herbert Kretzmer. The lyrics, okay, so we have French lyrics by Didier Van Colwart and English translations by Jeremy Sams, of course. The director of the production was James Lapine. Hello, James. The musical director was Todd Ellison. The choreographer was Jane Comfort. And the scenic design was by Scott Pask. The lighting design was by Jules Fisher and Peggy Eisenhower. And the sound design was by Dan Moses Schreier. And, 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 and. The costume design was by Donna Granada. Donna Granada, what a wonderful name. Original Broadway cast. The cast, here's the full list. Okay, here's the full list. Melissa Errico, Malcolm Getz, Louis Cleal, John Cunningham, Christopher Fitzgerald. This was Christopher's Broadway debut. We have a couple other credits here for you. This breakdown I'm going to provide is not nearly as comprehensive as the one I as the one I provided for our Spamalot episode, but Christopher is also featured in the Pending Company revival, and he was also featured in Waitress. Then we have Norm Lewis, of here are all the shows that we have already covered on the podcast that featured Norm Lewis, Les Miserables, The Wild Party, Miss Saigon, and The Phantom of the Opera. Hello, Norm, so talented. Sarah Litzinger is also in this cast. We also have Nora May Ling, who we're going to talk about later, and Bill Nolte. Oh, notable understudy, of course. We have to follow up on this. Christian Borrell, of course. He was an understudy for several roles in the production, okay? So, Tony Nods, the show was nominated for Best. Best Musical. It was also nominated for Best Book of a Musical, Didier Van Colwart and Jeremy Sams. Best Original Score, Michel Legrand, Didier Van Colwart and Jeremy Sams. I'm getting a lot of opportunities to practice the mispronunciation that I established earlier for Didier. Oh, goodness. Best Actor in a Musical, Malcolm Getz, and Best Actress in a Musical, Melissa Errico. So, five nominations in total, but at the end of the day, unfortunately, zero awards. Let's talk about the plot. The protagonist of our tale is Du Soleil a meek and mild fellow who lives in Paris in the aftermath of World War II. Du Soleil leads an unquestionably dull life, most of which is spent working in an office. The new boss is an abusive blowhard, and his peers, Madeleine, Claire, Charles, and Bertrand, call him a nerd behind his back. Merde! It is not easy being Du Soleil, oui, oui. However, Paris is not without its pleasures. Du Soleil finds kinship in a news vendor, a struggling painter, and a brat sex worker, and when he isn't writing letters to his mother, he fantasizes about Isabel, a beautiful young neighbor. Isabel is frequently kept under lock and key by her husband, a prosecutor who harbors a terrible secret. A terrible secret? Merde! One evening, upon returning to his flat, Dusselet is amazed to discover he has gained the ability to walk through walls. This sends him into an existential panic, and he turns to his doctor for advice. The doctor, an uncertified drunk, believes Dussolet will be cured if he takes a special medication. Dussolet chooses to forego the pills in favor of messing with his boss and stealing from the rich. The people of Paris are in dire financial straits, after all, and if our hero is in a position to help them, who is he to ignore their plight? Dussolet's crimes eventually earn him the title Monsieur Passepartout, roughly translated as the man who passes through everything. Who is Passepartout? Will anyone be able to catch this elusive bandit? Who is this Scarlet Passepartout? <laughs> clever, Jonathan, very clever. As the citizens of Paris celebrate their local Robin Hood, Dussolet finds himself yearning for Isabel Bell's attention more than ever. He allows himself to be captured mid-theft in the hope that she will come to visit him in his cell. Alas, despite her intense interest in Passepartout, Isabel cannot escape the watchful eye of her husband. Merd! Instead, Dussolet is visited by his co-workers, Madeline and Claire. They are more than willing to take our hero to bed so he can fulfill their wild Passepartout fantasies, but he is uninterested. Sorry, ladies, you'll have to get your kicks somewhere else. 
Meanwhile, the painter, news vendor, and sex worker agree to lead a citywide labor strike. Passepartout is their hero, and more than that, Dusselet is their friend. He must be set free. Dusselet eventually slips out of prison so he may introduce himself to Isabel. It is a strange encounter, to be sure. The reality of Dusselet does not align with the Passepartout of Isabel's imagination, but Dusselet's profession of love convinces her to take a chance. Unfortunately, the prosecutor has been lying in wait this whole time, and he drags Dusselet to prison once more. Merde! Of course, Dusselet could escape whenever he wants, but a life on the run is no life at all, and so he allows himself to be brought to trial. The trial is a total circus. Dusselet's defense attorney is a nincompoop who barely passed his exams, and when the painter, news vendor, and sex worker show up to announce their labor strike, they are immediately dismissed. But what's this? Isabel interrupts the proceedings to expose her husband's secret. He was a Nazi sympathizer during the war. She has the evidence. She found documents and photographs in their attic. Mared! To be clear, Isabel just made this startling discovery at this point in the show. It's not as if she's been sitting on this info for years. In the resulting chaos, Dusselet is pardoned for his crimes and set free. Hooray! He and Isabel spend the night in each other's arms, and as the sun rises, Dusselet prepares himself for what's to come. Life will surely never be the same. The press is eager to see our hero's amazing skill in action, but Dusselet is nervous. What's more, he has a headache, and so he pops a couple of aspirin to calm himself. Ah, but these, oh, these are no ordinary aspirin. Those were the pills prescribed by Dusselet's doctor. In a dreadful bit of timing, our hero loses his ability to move through walls while moving through a wall. He is stuck, mared. Sure, we could try using TNT to blast him out, but that would kill him. We could also, you know, slowly chip away at the wall until Du Soleil is freed, but we are firmly in the realm of magic realism here, and so our hero is left in the wall for the rest of his days. I'm pretty sure people come by with uh, food and provide an umbrella when it rains, a warm jacket when it's cold outside, but do not fret, Du Soleil. Your dream was to be seen and remembered by the people of Paris, and they still tell your story to this day. The and Mared! For the purposes of this week's episode, I listened to the 2002 original Broadway cast album. Okay, alright, I have a bit of beef. Salted beef. Yum yum. So tasty. The issue of the album art must be addressed. The album art. If you've never seen it, Isabelle is shown holding a flower while looking up at Du Soleil. Du Soleil has a bright green apple in his mouth and is staring at us as if he has seen a ghost. This is in no way evocative of Amour's content. Is the apple a reference to René Magritte's The Son of Man? Du Soleil is wearing a similar suit, but he looks like an awestruck pig on a spit. Who put the apple in his mouth? Why am I fixating on the apple? Here's the image they should have gone with, and this comes straight from Chris, who is a genius. Show Du Soleil presenting a flower bouquet to Isabel while moving through a wall. Done! That's it! That's all you need! That says everything I would ever need to know. I will also say the company from Amour did not perform as part of the 57th Tony Awards, presumably because the show had long since closed. Hairspray, Movin' Out, and A Year with Frog and Toad did make onstage appearances. Okay, that's it for research sources. Let's talk about the score. Let's go! Nerd. The, the office, office nerd. nerd. 
Dear Mama, it's been ages since I dropped a line to you. I wrote to you on Wednesday, and I know today is Friday, but the office has been crazy with a thousand things to do. So everything's been busy, and my head is going dizzy. I'm as jumpy as a monkey in a zoo. But though it's nearly five o'clock, and I have found the time to write to you, it's really yours sincerely who's been doing all the work. As usual, the others have been driving me berserk by shirking, not working. Their dedication's minimal, they're criminally slow And counting off the minutes till it's time for them to go It's two minutes to five! The reason it's so busy here is simple to relate You know Monsieur Lacrosse, the man who's always been the boss While he is leaving here today as he is over 68 He's like a mad professor and I'm hoping his successor is a little more severe and less a date And apropos the other questions that you asked about my life Yes, my cat is doing fine and no, I haven't found a wife You ask me if I'm seeing someone, in a sense I am I'm gazing in wonder at someone unattainable whom I don't even know I've seen her in the square but never dare to say hello With filial devotion your son muscle to Soleil Dated 1950 on the 25th of May After listening to Amour, I've never been more convinced of Eric Idle's status as a lyrical hack Spamalot going right up against Amour does not make Spamalot look any better than I initially than I initially thought. Jeremy Sams' translations are clever, breezy, and insightful. I found myself leaning into these lyrics right alongside the cast, and by the end of the first track, Office Life, I was a total convert. I adore a cozy jewel box musical that moves from one intimate location to the next. She loves me, the most happy fella, Amelie, waitress. Amour rests comfortably alongside those titles. The baker's wife would like to think it rests on the same high shelf, but I am decidedly not a fan of the baker's wife. Boo! Boring! Malcolm Getz is a delight, as Du Soleil, playing the moony-eyed, eternally beset-upon loser protagonist of a musical is no easy feat. It's no easy task. We want to be on the side of a Du Soleil or a Seymour, but if you turn the knob too far in one direction, we'll wind up wanting to give him a swirly. We'll want to give him a swirly is what we'll want to do. The calibration is just right here. It's just right. Du Soleil is the sort of wistfully melancholy dope I can relate to on a chemical level. Am I the Du Soleil of my office? Are my coworkers referring to me as a nerd behind my back? Oh, most assuredly, <laughs> I would put money on it. Absolutely. Getz is also quite good when it comes to the score's rapid-fire sections, as you would have heard a moment ago. On a related note, I cannot get over how people refer to each other in this show. Dussolet is the office nerd. The boss refers to Dussolet as a jerk and a drip. This is delightful. It is beyond dorky, but that is exactly what I want from a cozy jewel box musical. Even when someone is going out of their way to be unspeakably cruel, their language never moves past a PG rating. Get out of my face, you moronic, contemptible buffoon! When you go home alone, there's no one there to phone. No need for darling, I'm afraid that I might be delayed. So if you miss your train or get caught in the rain, there's no one there who dare complain. And it's not that I've not got things to do. I'll read a book or two. I'll feed my cat or make a stew. As the lights dim over Sacre Coeur, I'll search for her. The lovely Isabel, I always know she's there because there's magic in the Going Home Alone is an excellent example of how much you can pack into a short amount of time. In 70 seconds, Legrand, Colwart, and Sams manage to construct a detailed and affecting portrait of Du Soleil. The efficiency and care on display is so impressive that no one will know if Du Soleil is running late on his way home from work, 
really got to me. That idea really got to me. And the use of the word stew, it's the little things. I love the word stew. What a wonderful word. That is a gorgeous choice. Stew conjures so much within the mind. Heavy, comforting sense. A warm room and a full stomach. Dusselet may be alone, and he may be lonely, but he does not despair. I learned all of this in 70 seconds. Wow. Other people's stories, other people's lives, socialites and film stars cheating on their wives, debutantes in ball gowns, young and fancy free, people on adventures, not me. Other people's intrigue, other people's sin. Why does David Niven live with Errol Flynn? Other people's secrets bursting to be told Hotbeds of excitement, minds cold Jean Cocteau and Jean Marais have fallen out with Charles Trenet Frank Sinatra's in Montmartre in a silver Chevrolet And where is Greta Garbo and who is Howard Hughes? It's other people's stories and other people's news you won't find my story in a magazine A young girl from a convent, all of seventeen Then she had a suitor, his beard was turning grey Imagine her reaction, dismay Mother said be grateful, you're not to make a fuss Love will happen later that's how it was for us Mother said he's wealthy Be glad of what you get Love will happen later Not yet Amour may ostensibly be about Du Soleil, the man who walks through walls, but his journey is no more or less important than those of the people who surround him. When the show places its focus on Isabel, for example, it feels as if we have a brand new lead, and the same goes for characters like the painter and the... The whore. Ugh, God. Okay, so major side note. No, I'm not a fan of that word. I don't like how the character is referred to as such. I avoided using it for as long as I could. It helps that the character is neither ashamed or condemned for her sex work. But yeah, loaded term. I, I just thought to address it right here while we were right here. Getting back on track, when it feels like every character could serve as the lead in their own musical, that's when you know you're in good hands. I could listen to Melissa Errico as Isabel for two hours. Errico's voice is heavenly, and Isabel seems like a perfectly lovely individual. Again, we are communicating so much in almost no time at all, and that communication never feels sloppy or rushed. Isabel whiles away the hours with gossip magazines. Why? Because married life has left her isolated and emotionally stunted. A simple message delivered with elegance. They rhyme Jean Marseille with Chevrolet. I mean, come on. P.S. No one in this show, no one has a French accent, and I am fine with it. P.P.S. If you happen to be auditioning for a production of She Loves Me, you absolutely must sing other people's stories. I have never been more confident when suggesting audition material. My one minor criticism is that Isabel has too many songs that exist within this emotional vein, none of which are as captivating as other people's stories. Okay, let's keep moving. I'll paint you beautiful views, garish concoctions of yellows and blues. I sell the news. I have particular favors to sell. My clientele all know me well. And I can boast I'm the toast of my mouth. I've been with Jean-Paul Sartre. So if you go to the Rosanna song in the 18th arrondissement, we are the people you're likely to meet. We like to work this is the chorus we're forced to repeat All about life here on the street It's tough on the back and the brush and the feet But everyone has to beat 
Highlander's Waltz reveals itself to be the cap on Amora's extended introduction sequence, morphing into a perfectly pleasant collage that allows us to pan out and view both the board and its pieces. I'm a fan. Would you like to hear my awful pitch of the week? Oh, this is so awful. Of course you would. We need a sitcom version of Amore, one in which the prosecutor has been hauled off to jail and Dussolet still has the ability to move through walls. This doesn't feel like much of a stretch, if you ask me. The painter, news vendor, and sex worker, let's go back to saying sex worker, already read as the supporting cast of a sitcom, and I would be all about the continuing adventures of Passepartout. It's a bad pitch, I admit it, but it's not so bad that I couldn't sell it. Money, baby, money, money, money. What is happening to me? What is happening to me? Go and stand over there. Raise your arm in the air. God, it's trembling like mine. Mind you, mine's due to wine. Stand up straight, count to four. One, two, three. That's great, now lie down on the floor. That's surprising, cause you should be falling right through. And it's odd that you're not, but it's clear what you've got. So I'll briefly tell you what's what. You've got protoparapsychoneuroglandular depressive, schizoform, espresso, semi-dormant, pathological, repressed transmural syndrome. And I know what to do. Take a couple of these. They should cure your disease. They should harden your blood and your sinew. But if you continue to suffer, then come and visit me, please. I can also prescribe something you can imbibe. Anybody who drinks saves a fortune on shrinks. When I'm treating the blues, I use what we doctors call booze. The doctor's big number, which is appropriately known as the doctor, tickles me. Oh, it tickles me. I'm like Winnie the Pooh over here, chuckling with contentment as my hands rest comfortably on my tummy. This is, there is, I should say, there is simply so much to enjoy when it comes to this character. His cheerful alcoholism. I like the lyric, when I'm treating the blues, I use what we doctors call booze. That his first idea when confronted with Du Soleil is to have him lay on the floor. Oh, you're not falling through the floor. Well, that's good to know. And his diagnosis makes me smile. Proto, paro, psycho, neuro, glandular, depressive, schizophoma, espresso, semi-dormant, pathological, repressed, transmural syndrome. Foma, espresso, I mean, come on, I'm over the moon. And while we're on the subject of stuff I like, can we talk about those pills shaking, rattling around in their bottle? They're bouncing around like Tic Tacs, and the sound of them makes my shoulders do a little subtle dance, I do say. Do a little dance. Uh-uh, uh-uh. Shk, shk, Du Soleil, come in here! What's this sentimental nonsense which has landed on my desk? Tear it up. Straight away! It's a letter to my mother. To your mother, your grotesque white her. I'm her son. If we compromise on discipline, there's very little left. But my work had been done. Writing letters in official time is tantamount to theft. You beware. Yes, you beware unless you want to get the sack. Now that isn't fair. And if you dare to answer back. Then you may find that this epistle is the cause of your dismissal if you're obstinate, recalcitrant, and slack. Back to work. Dussolet's Revenge opens with a piano march straight out of Urinetown, a show I never thought would spring to mind while listening to Amour. That piano march, paired with the occasional fuzzy woodwind, had me drifting into free, people are free, how can a fee enslave us? Once again, I must applaud Jeremy Sams' English translation of Didier Van Colwart's French lyrics. After listening to Spamalot last week, I was in dire need of a reminder. A reminder of how playful and punchy musical theater can be when, when... 
those in charge actually enjoy their jobs. The following stretch is better than anything you'll see from the likes of Monty Python, quote, and if you dare to answer back, you may find that this epistle is the cause of your dismissal, if you're obstinate, recalcitrant, and slack. Back to work! Don't forget that you're a clerk who's paid to work in office time. You are a jerk. You're an amoeba. You are slime. You make me sick. You and your cat can go to hell. I hope she gets mange. I hope your mother does as well. Quote, I will be turning those lyrics over for years to come. I adore them. With a more, I'm having fun. With Spamalot, it's as if I'm being told to have fun. You're having fun. Am I? Okay. All right, no more comparisons to Spamalot. These shows have very different goals. It's it's unfair for me to hold them up against each other, and I don't mean to alienate Spamalot fans. Not necessarily. I'm done. Nowadays business is hard for a whore Not like before, during the war Then there were lines to the end of the street I was worked off my feet Soldiers were risking their necks Nowadays nobody thinks about sex Which is perplexing and hard for an old fille de joie what about moi? Look in this window, there's diamonds and pearls. They go to other girls. Business-wise, I've got my back to the wall. Nobody comes or comes at all. Better a blow job than no job at all. Still, the returns are small. While looking into Nora Mayling's career, I was surprised to discover she did not return to Broadway after her time with Amour. Her first Broadway appearance was in The Wind in the Willows in 1985, a few years after she collaborated with Gerard Alessandrini to create the first iteration of Forbidden Broadway. She was a co-creator of Forbidden Broadway, for crying out loud. Her obituary in the New York Times does not mention an official retirement, but I'm hoping the years that led to her passing in 2017 were good ones. Her Condition of Whore's Lament is a blast, and the song itself is prime audition material. Amour is full of prime audition material, as I've come to find. Just cut around to the section with Du Soleil and jump to the big finish, I say. Off he goes through the square. How superb, how strange. Who'd have thought he'd change? Who'd have thought he'd dare? splash of blue and another of red that's how i paint in my head but in the street well it's not up to me i do what they need to see in my mind i paint a different scene a sky of blue a sea of green a smudged horizon in between meanwhile my life is a study in gray i can feel it slip away while Du Soleil dares to walk through his walls, my dreams are trapped in my brain. He has the courage to alter his life. Here's where I'm doomed to remain. If I drew the paintings in my mind, they'd be the wonder of mankind, our whole existence redefined. This brush will never be my brush with fate. I'm not even second rate. One splash of doll in a sea of cliché. Twenty-four portraits a day. They stand in wonder at what I can do. Somehow that's wonderful too. So I should be glad of what I got. A man who's happy with his lot will never be what he is not. I make the world brighter just for a while. I know how to paint a smile. 
I've recorded over 70 episodes of this podcast, and I still feel woefully uneducated when it comes to Broadway performers. Unlike a lot of fans out there, I do not possess the encyclopedic knowledge that would allow me to recognize all of those names. All of those names! But when it comes to recognizing voices, I find I'm getting better with each passing week. While listening to Painter's Song, for instance, my ears began to buzz. Who is this? I know this voice. It was, of course, our old pal Norm Lewis. I'm pretty sure that my most recent reference for him would be The Wild Party, where he plays Eddie the Boxer. Lewis, as I mentioned earlier, has appeared in a number of the shows we've discussed previously, but only while reveling in Painter's Song was I able to identify his Midas touch. Good material or bad, Lewis raises the letter grade of a production simply by being a part of it, and I was happy to hear him in a more. The painter spoke to me on a number of levels, just as a character. He is in a rut, he doubts his talents and the value of his output, and if he were to abandon his occupation, what would he do? He has no idea. Du Soleil leaps through walls, the guy is literally doing the impossible. Meanwhile, the painter cranks out portraits on the street to get by. Yeah! Yes, the people adore his portraits, but if he could produce the paintings that reside in his mind, the paintings in my mind, now that would be something. Painter, I'm right there with you, buddy. Same in me. Shake my dang head. The Communist Party of France. We must state a rational view. We must agree it is strange to relate with a Catholic view which has cogently stated that we must free Monsieur Passepartout. He is a man who can stand for the masses. His deeds are the needs of the struggling classes to break down walls and forge life anew. This is a struggle we're struggling for and to take from the wealthy and give to the poor is a very applaudable, totally laudable deed. So we're all agreed. Du Soleil should be freed. What is justice? What's it for? Our neighbor will we'll fight, fight to the, the end by withholding our labor till he's set free. The same goes for me. Till the soleil is returned to the town that my dress will stay up and my panties stay down. No, I probably mean that the other way round. Yes, I do. Now, now it's time, time to fight for the Passport reason I wanted us to hear a bit of the trial was to showcase Nora Mei Ling and her delivery of the following, quote, the same goes for me. Till Du Soleil is returned to the town, then my dress will stay up and my panties stay down. No, I probably mean that the other way round. Yes, I do. Quote, superb. If this show ever sees a major revival, can we make sure the painter, the vendor, and the whore receive proper character names? If you're speaking on stage, you deserve to have a proper name. I'm all for the positive representation of sex work on stage, but people are people, and people have names. And I don't like how my only option when referring to this woman is the whore. Stop that. me about whistling ballet is how it's the first step past what many would consider to be the show's happy ending. Du Soleil has already been freed from prison and shared a romantic duet with Isabel, so at this point we're exploring the happy ending's fallout. What happens once you've been crowned as a hero and fallen into your lover's arms? It's a little into the woods in that way. If you're Du Soleil, you immediately chicken out and the people of Paris call you a spineless sponge. What are you, a spineless sponge? 
lunch? Go have sex with Isabel. It's an oddball turn. Perhaps I'm a prude, but the fact that everyone but Isabel, everyone but Isabel, is talking about Isabel's sex life, and that strikes me as seedy. You could cut Whistling Ballet, craft a transitional book scene that brings Dusselet and Isabel to the latter's flat and move right into the title number, Amour. You wouldn't lose a thing in the process. Perhaps you wish to cut the ballet because you would like to play Dusselet, and the number requires requires whistling, which you cannot do. Oh, shush. Anyone can whistle. That's what they say. Easy. Easy. Was it too beautiful to last? Now I'm immured. Now I'm stuck fast. I'm half without and half within. And look, my friends have come to call to see the wall man in his wall. And keep me warm and dry in winter. It seems the doctor found the cure, and I've plenty to endure. My place in history's assured me. I'll face posterity in stone. But Isabel must sleep alone. Her husband's locked away for life, so not a widow nor a wife. Stuck in the middle, just like me. It all depends on who you know. The news guy's got a TV show. The painter's only painting me. And now the whore's a great success. She sold her story to the press. She sold the movie rights as well. But what of darling Isabel? Now I know I'm getting better at recognizing voices because I could not stop thinking of a new brain while listening to Malcolm Getz on the Serenade track. And that's because Malcolm Getz was the star of, oh, you guessed it, a new brain. I don't need a new brain because the brain I have is working just fine. Thank you. Hello. Can you hear me tapping my skull? Can you hear it? Anyway, this Malcolm Getz fella, am I right? What a talented guy. <laughs> the last clip we'll hear today is from the OBC album's final track, An Ordinary Guy. This is technically a cover of a song I chose to skip over, and this version is sung by Amour's composer, Michel Legrand. I don't deserve your attention I'm hardly worthy of mention I've got a job and a pension Nothing remarkable, nothing very strange On a Sunday, never suspecting that one day my life would suddenly change. I melted while listening to Legrand's performance. I am now a puddle. He sounds like a tiny, kind gentleman, and I would love to hear his life story. Alas, he passed away just last year. Mr. Legrand, you were and are a total gem. I assume. Maybe you were a monster, but you sound, you sound so tiny and so kind. Okay, now normally at this point in the show, we would hear from our sponsor, 5678 Coffee, but we have a brand new $5 a month patron, David. David is our latest $5 a month patron, and David has earned a special musical shout out, and so we will get that now. We will hear that now. Take it away, musical shout out. Low, 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 lower, 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 lower. Uh, oh. Hello, my dear Celine. This is Josh Groban speaking. Have you tried looking under the fainting couch? <laughs> I knew it. No, don't apologize. I'm just sitting on my porch recording a musical shout out for David. Yes, David. All right, all right, Celine. Call me anytime, okay? Goodbye. Careful the things you say, David will listen. Careful the things you do, David will see and learn. David may not obey, 
But David will listen, David will look to you for which way to turn, to learn what to be. Careful before you say, listen to me. David will listen. Hello, my dear Celine, this is Josh Groban speaking. Hmm. Uh, do me a favor. Log out. Yes, log out and then log back in. Do you see the who's watching screen? All right, click on the Celine icon. The Celine icon. You're in? Oh, wonderful. No, no, no. Don't apologize. Goodbye, my dear. Goodbye, my dear Celine. Anatola, find Anatola, Anatola, find Anatola. The blood rushes to my heart. My face already pale becomes distorted by fury. I seize you by the collar with my big, big hands. And I shake you from side to side. Until your face shows a sufficient degree of David. Uh, Hello, my dear Celine. This is Josh Groban speaking. It's not in your list. I could have sworn we placed it on your list last week. All right. Listen carefully. B A B Y S Hi T T E R S. Do you see it? Oh, wonderful. No, don't apologize. No, no. No. Goodbye. Ciao, Mia Bella. Ciao, ciao. You raise me up so I can stand on David. You raise me up to walk on stormy seas. I am strong when I am on your David. You raise me up to more than I can be Hello my dear Celine this is Josh Groban speaking I cried as well they are a club of babysitters they look out for each other and it is beautiful would you like me to come over and hold you for 48 hours feed you very small chocolates I'll be right over Final thoughts regarding Amour. You need to listen to the cast recording of Amour right now. Trust me. And if you're already a fan of the show, treat yourself with another sit-down session. We have been sleeping on Amour for far too long, and we need its cheerfulness, its playfulness, and its unashamed, unabashed sincerity. You deserved better from us, Amour. Much better now. In 2005, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Hairspray, and the additional nominees from that season were Moving Out and A Year with Frog and Toad. I'm making a big distinction this week. Amour is taking the Best Musical Medallion home. Sorry, Hairspray. Sayonara, Hairspray. Goodbye, Hairspray. Amour is the underdog, and so I am awarding the underdog. Rough, rough. Let's rank Amour against all of the other shows we've talked about here on the podcast. Okay. Amore will be resting for now at number 25 between Bring Into Noise, Bring Into Funk at number 24 and at number 26, Ain't Misbehavin'. I have also made some changes in the ranking. Hairspray, you are now at number 28. The Wedding Singer, you are now at number 45. Monty Python's Spamalot is now at number 50. I believe Spamalot took a bit of a dive there, and I think this one took a very large dive as well, The Happy Time, which is now at number 52. Now, as a reminder, if you follow us on Twitter, at MusicalManPod, if you go to our likes, the first tweet in that section is going to take you, if you click on it, it'll take you to a Google Sheet, go to the second tab. That is our full ranking right there, right there for you. Now, when it comes to show-related ephemera, I happened upon Michelle Legrand's score for Torrin's Passage. 
Passage, a 1994 point-and-click adventure game. This is the only score for a video game that Legrand ever wrote. The game concerns Torin, quote, the son of a farming family on the planet Strata. An evil sorceress named Licentia captures his family with a magic spell, and he embarks on a quest to find her. Torin travels to worlds beneath the surface of the planet through colossal crystal columns called phenocrysts. These phenocrysts transfer life-giving sunlight and people to the lower worlds with RSD powder. He is aided by a purple dog-like creature called Boogle? All right, that's enough. Let's hear some of the music. in the show, we would take a ride on the musical carousel to determine which show we discuss next week. But because we have a new $5 patron, David, uh, thank you, David, for becoming a patron, David was able to determine where the carousel takes us. David was able to determine what show we discuss next week. It is a 2017 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It ran for 176 performances, and that show is Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. My favorite part of Groundhog Day is when the Groundhog pops out of the golf course and does a little dance. That's the song that it dances to. Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. What a classic movie. I love it. We're going to be talking about the musical adaptation next week. All right. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. As a reminder, 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Black Lives Matter organization. You can donate $1, $3, $5, or $10 a month. If you donate $1 a month, you get Monday early access to main feed episodes, okay? You also get a verbal shout-out each and every week. So thank you very much. David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marques, Rob, Shauna, Shianti, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. You also get access to bonus episodes covering the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, the trailer for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, a review of the film Cats, a review of the stage production of Emma, Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, and Hamilton via Disney+. Plus. You also get Season 1, 12 episodes of Radio Boy, a special series for which I listen to songs outside of the musical theater canon that make me feel more like myself. They bring me joy. And you also get access, you also get access to our monthly series M3, The Movie Musical Man, for which I watch trilogies of movie musicals that are tied by common themes. Coming August 26th, the latest episode of M3, which was, which will be known as the Shiver Me Timbers trilogy. We're talking about The Pirate, The Pirate Movie, and Muppet Treasure Island. Now, if you move up to the $3 a month tier, you get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout-out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing. David got one just this week. You could get one, too, eh? You also, as a $3 a month donor, you also get access to Season 1, 10 episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, if you donate $5 a month. If you're like David, you get everything I've already described. Plus, you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss here on the podcast, just like David did with Groundhog Day. You also get Season 1, 12 episodes of All I Ask of You, a special advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera, Season 2 of All I Ask of You, coming October 2020. You also get access to our Broadway in Chicago review series and Shout About It, Volume 1, a collection of every single 5, 6, 7, 8 ad and musical shout-out from the first 25 episodes of the podcast. And finally, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus the Snub Club. 
Ah, season one, 12 episodes of The Snub Club. That is a series dedicated to Broadway musicals that were never nominated for the Tony Award for Best Musical. They were snubbed, okay? If you're listening to the show through Apple Podcasts, take a moment to write a five-star review. Thank you so much in advance. You may be listening to the show through Spotify or Stitcher or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. I love getting emails. Let go of my emails! There's no way I haven't made that joke before. Thanks, as always, to Patty and Benny. Thank you so much. Alex Green for our beautiful logo. Thank you so much. And Zach Little for our fabulous music. Thank you so much. Oh, oh, well, you know what that sound means. Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh, well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, auf Wiedersehen, and good night. season, a gift from the Sierra family to your family. The first in a new fully animated adventure game series, Torrens Passage. Combining the hand-drawn classic animation of King's Quest VII and the humor of Al Lowe, Sierra takes you to new levels of entertainment. Explore worlds within worlds, filled with magic, fascinating new characters. Google, can you be an axe? And fun. Not X, Axe. Where anything is possible. You and your buddy, Boogle, must rescue your parents from the evil sorceress, Licentia. <laughs> and her able assistant, Dream. Match wits with a diabolical peccant. And discover the lovely Lena. Plus much more. Hey, sir, any sir. To make you and your child. All right! Laugh out loud. Enchant your family this holiday season with Torrance Passage.